Welcome to the Tej Talks Podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Hello everyone, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. On today's podcast, I'm talking to Jake. Now, we talk about his property journey, which was pretty quick, I must say. Now, I, I thought mine was pretty quick, um, but he did really, really well to grow his po- property portfolio to 11 properties in about two years. And this was during COVID, around COVID time, so really not the easiest time to be doing this. Um, we also speak about making your growth and also your portfolio management a lot more efficient. Different bits of software you can use, including one that he's created himself to grow in a manner that's a bit less chaotic because I think me and him both have experienced chaotic growth. And, you know, if you've been following me for a while, you've seen, you know, my 15 properties in my first nine months was absolutely mind wreckingly, you know, challenging and difficult and stressful and not great for my mental health or physical health, really. Um, so you know, we talk about ways to do this a little bit better and look at his story and how he did it and compare some classes, you know, blocks of flats, buy to lets and SA units. So here we go. Ah, before that, you know what you got to do. Go to tedgesing.xyz and book in your free strategy call, whether you're a beginner, whether you're experienced, whether you're in the middle, whether you don't know what's going on. If you're serious about property, and I mean that, because if you're not, I'll know pretty quickly on the call. It ain't going to be a 30 minute call. It'll be two minutes. Um, go to the link and book in a free strategy call. Let me see how I can help you. Jake, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Hey Tej, good to see you. Uh, I'm looking forward to this podcast because it's going to be something a little bit different and something that I love talking about. And I think property investors developers struggle with because outsourcing, being efficient, using tech, Things that I suppose in your world, um, given your previous job, and I suppose a lot of people's world is quite normal and quite sort of, well, yeah, this is standard. It's, of course, you use tech to make your life easier. Of course, you outsource stuff. Of, you know, but in property, you know, many things are very archaic and outdated. Um, and, and this is, I think, one of them where people could get more deals, make more money, have a happier life, kind of be, you know, less stressed by doing some of the things that we're going to talk about today. Um, and also we'll talk about, of course, your own tech business that you founded um, and some of the kind of bits of running that and marketing that, which, you know, again, is something that people in property might be interested in kind of as a side note. But before we get into that, before we get into kind of what you're doing now, and what you're going to be doing, how did you start in property? Sure. So a few years ago, my uh, partner and I had saved up 20 grand and we were going to buy a buy to let uh, because we were told it was the good thing to do and sensible to put your money into property. And at this point, we knew nothing about property. Uh, this is just before the pandemic a couple of years ago. And um, some friends of ours said, you need to call up uh, Charlie from Capstone Fox, who's a property coach, and just ask him for advice. We rang him up and uh, he then explained the buy, renovate, refinance method to us. And bear in mind, this is the first time we'd heard it. So uh, I think my head fell off. I was a little bit amazed at that that was even a real thing and it was possible to pull money out of properties, still retain the asset and rent it out. So uh, after that conversation, I think uh, we sort of changed our whole our whole uh, ethos towards buying one buy to let and then it became let's buy as many as we can. Um, so we we got coaching, we um, progressed through and um, 
we bought buy to let buy renovate refinance over the next few years and now we've got a portfolio of 11 properties wow and you know i suppose when you you know first kind of started out you took money from your you took equity out of your house right in order to pay for the property portfolio yeah so the, the house we were in at the time um was quite outdated itself uh, and we'd bought it i guess when when there was a, a lull in the market um and then we so we used the method we thought right okay well let's refinance the property pull some money out so that we can then renovate that house um we did we renovated that property uh, and then sold that uh, so we didn't actually have a home then we sold it uh, to move in with uh into a smaller one of the, the buy to let that we're originally going to do we moved into that house so we downsized then used the equity from the initial home that we had um i think it was 70 grand and we pulled out uh, at the end once we sold the property and then we used that to build this portfolio and when you got started i suppose maybe a step before that how did you know what strategy to do or like kind of what to do i know you said you discovered the kind of brr thing but I suppose, how did you know that it was going to suit you or it was the right thing to do for you? I, I don't think we did. So uh, I, I must stress, we really, really knew nothing about property investing uh, before we started. But through education, we had, I remember we did a lot of soul searching early on because we were quite dazzled by the lights of HMO. And we were like, wow, um, one deal to financial freedom. You know, you, you hear that phrase a lot. Uh, this is, you know, one and a half thousand pounds net profit a month or a thousand pound net profit a month in one deal and that was quite exciting uh, but we explored what we wanted as our goals and our goals have never been to become rich or um i guess multi-millionaire property investors or whatever it was our goal has always fr- has always been freedom to quit our nine to five jobs and then travel full time uh, which is what we do now uh, and we needed to do that through property and to do that we decided that even though you outsource hmos um to to agents or you can do it still felt like a high turnover of tenants and it would still take a lot of a lot of our time so we decided that we would stick exclusively to buy to single ast buy to lets uh and once we made that decision it sort of made the investing uh journey easier because we we had a roadmap and we knew that it, we were just going to be cookie cutter method of um purchasing a buy to let refurbing refinancing and moving on to the next one over and over again and it made it easier Having said that, we have now changed strategies two years down the line and started adding in some service accommodation and a commercial to resi and stuff. But um, but ultimately, that's how we started because it kept it simple for us. Mm. I mean, that makes sense. And I think it's something that I think is a common theme from people who have done well is that their goals match what they need from it. You know, you didn't say, oh, you know what, £20,000 a month. That sounds, yeah, nice number. Let's, let's just go for that aimlessly because... As you're going to that, you kind of be like, why am I doing this again? Like, what's this number about? Like, all these challenges would make you think, what am I doing? And you had a real goal, which I think a lot of people have that kind of goal, a similar goal to you. Um, But you actually, you've done it and you're doing it, uh, which is great to see. But I think it's because you set it accordingly to what you wanted. It sounds so simple, right? Like, aim for what you want. But... I think a lot of people get confused with that and see Instagram and, and see a different world and, and all this kind of nonsense. So how long did it take you from, you know, I suppose saying, right, we're doing pro- like we're doing property now to then both being able to quit your jobs? Um, 
That's a good question. It was roughly 18 months, maybe, maybe two years. Um, it was just before it was, I remember I contacted Charlie on Valentine's day um, before COVID. So um, I can't remember what year that would have been 2020, 2019, yeah. 2020 ish. So yeah, so about two years. Um, but our goal wasn't to, re- a lot of people say they want to replace their income, right? Which is great. Um, we, I had a reasonably high income, I guess, um, and Nicola, um, similar. We, our goal was never to replace those incomes, uh, because it would have taken way too long. We'd still be, we'd still be working towards it now. Our goal, we just set a very simple, how much is it going to cost us to live abroad? And that was two and a half grand a month, um, as a couple, uh, as our absolute base lowest. So the second we hit that, um, threshold, we both quit. Um, but what we didn't think of, is we didn't actually both need to quit uh, on the same day. So what we realized is Nicola actually left her job in February last year, and I left mine October, because we realized once we'd got a sufficient amount of money to replace her income, at least, or at least get towards it, then she could quit. And that gave us one full-time person on the property business, plus my evenings and weekends. So it drove us forward much, much quicker. Um, so we didn't think of that as a couple that you could quit separately. We always had this like one goal in mind where we both leave our jobs at the end. Mm, okay. I mean, and that makes sense. And again, it's a realistic look at how much do we need? What do we need it for? How do we get there? And, you know, I would say you quit pretty quickly. Um, you know, I think most people don't, don't believe that you can do it this quick. I think, um, Often it can take longer. Uh, I think often it, you know, well, here's the thing, I suppose, and you probably see this as well. All the educators, all the kind of people online will tell you you can do it in a month. But <laughs> then realistically, it takes two or three years. But actually, you can do it as quick as you have in terms of quitting your job, in terms of balancing it all so that you can quit your job. And when you did quit, were there any sort of safety nets or things you recommend for people to maybe know when it's the right time to quit apart from just spreadsheet says so was there anything else yeah yeah there was so um i said we'd pulled out don't forget what really helped the speed is the fact that we had seventy thousand to start with right um and i know a lot of people don't have that and have to um, we've got some friends that started rent to rent first and then they built up their portfolio with rent to rent made um some supplementary income saved up enough um in order to then build their portfolio and a lot of people use investors um we we had the 70,000 and and we used investors as well so that was a huge help for speeding us up uh when I say we had the 70,000 though, we actually pulled about, I can't remember what the figure was, but it was about 90 from the house. And we put 20,000 in a bank account, which is obviously not the wisest thing to do with your money, especially with inflation at the moment. But as the word safety net that you said there for our mental health, that was really important to us to know that, okay, worst case scenario, if all this goes wrong and I don't know, we lose all of our tenants and we can't rent or whatever happened, um, we would have, you know, a few months uh, income to support us so that we could then go and find a job. And the other thing we did as well is when we say that we we were after 2500 initially as our monthly net profit, um, we always saved, uh, well, initially we saved 20% of our rental income um, in our, as a monthly operating expenses like pot. And um, we say we still save that today, although it's only 10% now that we save um, so that we built up a pot there. So we always had a buffer to save if we had void periods or a boiler that broke and then a separate but a personal buffer almost so that if personal life issues happened, we could go and find a job. So, yeah, we definitely we definitely built a safety net. 
Mm, yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, it's so easy to, I suppose, feel you're ready or, you know, think that the spreadsheet says this, 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 when actually sometimes there's benefits to, to keeping your job, at least, you know, at least not having a, a salary for mortgages. But obviously we both know, you know, good broker, good lenders don't necessarily need that. And I understand in your portfolio, you've got single unit buy to lets, service accommodation and one multi-unit block of three flats. Out of those three types of properties, although the flats are basically, I suppose, buy to lets, yeah. which is your most profitable and why? Oh, um, it's probably got to be serviced accommodation at the moment, hasn't it? Um, the only thing that I'd say with serviced accommodation is it ha- we have it has edged us more towards the um, like heavier side of management, I guess, because um, something we didn't realise pre. I-, I think you've got two essays, have you as well? I-, mm-hmm. I think I think pre going into service accommodation, we thought great, like it's going to be it's going to be like high nightly income. Um, and then every month we'll make loads more profit on it, which is true. But two things we didn't factor in the initial furniture and, um, like fitting it all out costs, uh, which costs us about five or six grand every time we get a new one. And the second thing is that if something goes wrong in a buy to let, like there's, there's a bit of damp or the boiler breaks or, or something, you've got time to go around and resolve it. Whereas in serviced accommodation, you've got a tenant coming in the next day. They expect the place to be perfect. So you have to react a lot, lot quicker. Um, so I think those are the two downfalls, albeit probably more profitable than any of our other properties. Yeah, I I agree. Um, and did you say that you self-manage the essay or is it managed? No, it is managed. So I suppose, yeah, for me, if I was managing the essay myself, well, I just, I just wouldn't because I'd, <laughs> I'd mess it up and it'd just be over. But like... If I was, I think I'd definitely feel that kind of urgency you mentioned before. And I'd kind of feel that, um, that it takes more work. So if anyone listening, I'll outsource and get someone to manage your essays. But yeah, I agree with you. Essays are, when you, when you rent to essays, a great strategy. Don't get me wrong, but you and I have a mortgage payment on that, which is way lower. Um, and we're a lot more in control of it. And yeah, I love sort of having essays and I'm not gonna have any more because it's diverse enough but I agree with you they can be very profitable I think over the year obviously there's down months not down but there's months that are not so good um but I think on average it it kind of is better than a single buy to let pound for pound um in your multi-unit block of flats with that one I have always been interested in this because it's like I could go buy three buy to lets, three sets of conveyancing, three. Re- oh, it's just boring. I can't bother anymore. <laughs> with a f- you know, with flats, you're like, hopefully, you're like, ah, one title, one process, lots of flats, boom, freehold, leasehold, title splits, all sorts of fun stuff. How was your experience with the flats? Uh, that's a co- yeah, it's a complex one. I, I think to keep it simple, uh, buying them took a lot longer uh, because because of a number of reasons but it's got some land at the back and also we want to convert it to four flats eventually and we were really really keen that we had to think of our exit when we were entering and whereas it's pretty easy let's say you've got a bridge on a standard buy to let you you can usually exit onto you know 100 different mortgage products whereas on this multi-unit block there was only uh if we didn't own the freehold and at the time we didn't the council owned the freehold uh we only had one lender that we could have exited to 
So during the purchase, we realized we had to buy the freehold from the council. Um, so we've, we negotiated the freehold with the council, purchased it off them as part of the purchase. And it took, I don't know how long it took to buy the flats now. It took about 14 months. It was such an extreme amount of time to purchase a property. Um, so although, yes, it was one transaction, I think the length of time to get it was was um, way more extreme than anything else and something that we definitely didn't budget for. Okay. And then sort of since you've had it and it's been tenanted and, you know, sort of running, has it generally been like a buy-to-let, kind of just normal? Yeah. So it needs a full refurb and we haven't done it yet um, mm-hmm. because we bought it tenanted. So at the moment, we're just leaving it to sit there as as some extra income for us. Uh, we'll build up um, a nice uh, refurb part um, or we're, at the moment we're considering selling off some of the land at the back and then using that to fund the refurb. But when we do the refurb, uh, we don't want to do it in like in stages. We want to do it all in one go. Um, otherwise, we'll be displacing too many tenants and we'll be losing too much income. So we just want to do it in one big blast, um, you know, get the extra property at the top, hopefully, and then um, and then probably flip it rather than rather than keep it interesting i mean people yeah there's a great market for that because it's a ready-made investment someone will buy on a yield investment and there there we go so yeah and people forget this people forget that just because you buy a portfolio or a block of flats or something that feels like something you should keep naturally it's like well actually there's still money to be made and where are you now in the world because i know you're you're full-time traveling the world yeah we are actually in england at the moment for uh, for a few days we we were supposed to be going to uh france at the end of next week but uh, we decided that um we would go to filey in north yorkshire instead so we've cancelled that trip and we're going there um just for some uk time i guess um we've just come back from sicily oh, and then love sicily yeah and then before then um we've done a lot of europe in the last month or two because we did um asia well, we did Turkey for like the back end of last year and then Asia for the start of this year, which was really good. But something we I'll tell you something, we, we thought that we were going to go out, travel the world and we were going to be nomads living, living away for six months at a time and sitting around campfires and playing guitar. And we realized that we really miss our family and friends like so much. So um, now we've decided that when our trips away now are going to be more like two to three week trips and we'll come back and see friends in between. Cause I think that's what we found um, was enriching our lives more, I guess. Hmm. I like that. And I think, yeah, sometimes you have to, you have to experience the experience to realize what it's really like. Cause obviously it, it looks great. It sounds great. But then as humans, we miss the things that make us feel at home or the people that make us feel at home or the feelings we have when we're, you know, in, home whatever home is so yeah that's really interesting but i think the the key thing is you have the freedom to do that or to go for x many months or to you know go for a whatever like the fact that you have that freedom the fact that you did it in two two and a half kind of years three years like is amazing because like i just want people to really kind of grasp what's happened here because like it's great to hear and it's so inspiring for people who are starting out or who are maybe feeling stuck, who are thinking, oh, you know, how am I going to achieve that in X amount of time? Well, it is possible. You know, I've had lots of people on there doing it and I've got Jake again doing it. Um, so people, please, you know, be inspired by this because it is absolutely possible. And yet you had 70K to start with, fine. Um, people can use investor finance, JVs, et cetera, et cetera. So everyone's situation is unique, but, you know, it's definitely inspiring, I think, for people to hear. And 
As you were growing your portfolio, were you investing close to home or further from home when you used to live here? Do you know, it's funny. We said we said that we were only going to invest in the Northwest when we started. That was our thing. Um, and I think it was uh, when we were, we were sat in Thailand and we were like, right, we were looking for deals, right? And we were struggling to find them because obviously the market's uh, hotting up or, well, it's been hotting up for a while. And we were like, oh, there's this, there's this deal that's come up in the Northeast. Should we get it? I'm not sure if it's too far from us. And then we had this sort of realization. And when I say we, I mean my partner, Nicola, and I, we had this realization where we looked at each other and we're like, we're in Thailand and we're investing in the UK. Like we're, we're, you couldn't be much further away. So we decided that as long as you've got um, the right systems in place and a good team around you, like you mentioned before, then it doesn't really matter where you invest as long as the, the figures worked. So we've certainly changed philosophies on that now. And we will invest anywhere in the UK at the moment because we don't understand foreign markets, but in the UK, mm. yeah. And when you are abroad and you're traveling, etc., do you worry about the properties in the UK? Do you find it difficult to manage? Um, I think they're two separate questions. I think, do we find them difficult to manage? No, um, because we've got a good team and good systems. Do we worry? Um, yes, but not like to the point where it affects our lives in any way. Um, yeah. We worry in a very human way as, oh gosh, I hope the, you know, I hope it's still going to go well. Or, or if a tenant get, hands notice, we hope that the rental market's still, still good in the area or, or whatever it might be. But they're just very natural worries, aren't they, when you've got any business, I guess. Yeah, like, you know, just natural concerns um, or even curiosity sometimes about the business and about the market. So yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And as you were growing your portfolio, what was the most difficult or most frustrating part of that? Um, I think the, for me, the biggest challenge or the thing that I get the most anxiety over is always money. Um, so I think that the most challenging part was we had a goal that we really, really wanted to hit as fast as possible. And to do that, what we were doing was stacking like properties. And what I mean by that is, let's say we'd make, let's say we've got a remortgage going through and we would, we would estimate that that remortgage was going to take a month or two. Well, then we would put an offer in on a property we definitely couldn't afford right now, knowing that the conveyancing and the purchase process would take about two months until we'd actually need to give that money. And the money would then come from the refinance of the other one. So we'd do like four properties at once where we'd have like two going through remortgage and two going through conveyancing for purchase, knowing that the remortgage had to come in for us to be able to purchase the next ones. So that was, I guess, the most stressful part of it. And the most difficult part was managing how many we could do at once and not overstretching ourselves or sometimes scrabbling for um, investor finance to try and help us bridge a gap, I guess. You know what? That I, I felt like I was just listening to myself there because that was <laughs> exactly the issues that I had and exactly the things that I, like I was doing when we were growing. Like it was, yeah, like I totally, totally get where you're coming from. Um especially with like refurbs and managing so many at the same time, not being overwhelmed <laughs> and still trying to find new deals. So trying to get into It's just like, Oh God, it makes me tired. Just thinking back to like that time. Um, and you know, as you were building the portfolio, obviously you started with 70 K, which is a good amount, especially in the North to build a portfolio with, did you use JVs or investor finance or did you just keep recycling your own money? Uh, yeah. So we haven't JV'd. Um, we were sort of like a lot of people warned us off JVs early on and said, 
you know, you need to get a really solid contract in place and someone that you trust to JV with. Uh, and I thought we, we felt that was really important to listen to people that have been there and done it. So um, we haven't JV'd yet, mainly because I guess at the time we didn't really have the network enough to trust someone enough to know that we could work together over a long period of time. Um, but investors, yeah, uh, how it actually worked. A friend of ours for our first buy to let wanted to loan us 10 grand. And we obviously didn't need it at the time because it was our first buy to let and we had the money to do it. Uh, but we took the investment because um, it gave us the opportunity to evidence, look, we've done a project, we've paid an investor back, here's how we work with investors. And that would help for future investors. But then his uncle then reached out and um, said, wow, that went well. Can I invest uh, 50K? Um, and then from there, like it was a lot easier to evidence to friends and family, which are what most most of the investors that um, us property investors get, I guess, first time. Um, it was easier to evidence what we've done. And we made sure that we reported to those investors weekly and monthly. Um, and yes, that's a lot of work, but I think it made the relationship better and it made evidence for future investors stronger. Mm, yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, the fact that it was your friend who said that. Is a, is a kind of point, I suppose, about raising finance. A lot of people go outwards. They go, oh, okay, go networking events, go social media, which works, 100%, of course it works. But a lot of the time, there's people close to you who know you, trust you, just already as a human, who would give you money that can help your growth. So you know, it makes sense to actually look around you as opposed to looking kind of further out. And, you know, you've built this portfolio, you're traveling the world, you've kind of hit that goal that you had. Um, you know, what are your goals, property or business wise for the next, you know, sort of year, two or three years? Yeah. So uh, we do want to continue growing the portfolio, albeit much slower now um, to not to not detract from it would be uh, Nicola always says it would be bad for us to have decided to quit our full time jobs to give ourselves a full time job. <laughs> Um, so we're continuing to grow the portfolio. Uh, we want, I know we haven't mentioned it yet, but our software company, uh, we do want that to be the number one, um, property software in the UK. And then I guess, uh, we've, we're, we're getting married next year. Uh, so I guess we want to get married and actually come back and, and set down roots towards the end of next year, maybe 2024, uh, and settle in the UK. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And, you know, we definitely will speak about the, the um, technology company because it's, it's, it's more interesting than property for me anyway. Um, with, you know, when you were growing your portfolio, I understand that it was pretty frustrating to kind of manage various aspects of it on spreadsheets. And spreadsheets are great, you know, they're versatile, but, you know, we're in 2022. Software, you know, really should be able to do a lot of things for us. Um, let's talk about some of the inefficiencies and maybe the efficient tips you have for different things in portfolio growth. So, I mean, yeah, could you maybe talk to me maybe for lead management, direct to vendor, um, deal sourcing, you may be using a VA, CRM systems, just maybe give me the download on how you use tech when you were growing yours to make it more efficient and make it easier, I suppose. Sure. I think the key thing with growing a portfolio is consistency. Um, I think you had Millie on the other day, um, mm -hmm. And she mentioned that, uh, I can't remember what the exact figure was, but it's something along the lines of she'd put 60 offers out before she got her first one through over the line. Yeah. 
And we can definitely empathize with that. We're in exactly the same boat. And it's really easy to sort of let those offers fall to the wayside. Once you've made an offer and you get a no, chasing up that offer is a challenge because you've got to set, I don't know, a calendar reminder for yourself to do it or whatever. Um, we felt that there must be an easier way to do to do all of this. Um, so we'll, we'll come to our software in a, in, a, in a short while. But things that really helped us were like um, we were we were trying to juggle networking and meeting people and and meeting people that we'd met on Instagram and everything. And WhatsApping back and forth or emailing back and forth and trying to organize times to meet people became uh, really time consuming. So we initially thought we were going to get a VA to cover that. But what we actually did is just set up Calendly. Um, it was it's fairly cheap and uh, it enabled us to meet people really effectively because if you get your your social hours and your working hours booked in on Calendly, uh, what, it, what it allows you to do is just send a link to someone. They'll click on that link. They'll be able to book a time in your diary. It'll immediately go to your diary and theirs and you're sorted. And we we did go a bit extreme. We, we have extended it to our social lives. So we use Calendly for our social lives as well. But it just makes it easier rather than going back and forth with people so they can always um, book in time. Uh, and then other things that we did, uh, which isn't necessarily a technology efficiency hack, I guess, but saying no was a huge one for us. We felt that we would have to say yes to everyone and meet up with everyone and and that you know that you met at networking events or whatever. And we found that uh, saying no is actually really useful to keep your diary free and progress the relationships, both in a business sense and in a personal sense, that you want to progress and not the ones that you feel obliged to, I guess. Mm. Yeah, great tips there. And the Calendly for social is, is such a good idea, um, especially when you're traveling and you're back and like you have limited time. So it, I mean, we all have limited time, but like it, it just makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, when you speak to property developers, investors, when you meet them at events, when you chat to them online, you know, do you find that a lot of them are doing the kind of things you just mentioned or are people kind of maybe like, whoa, I didn't know you could do that? Uh, so I, I think I think if a, like the property investor population is definitely split 50-50. 50% of us love to use technology, perhaps even overuse technology in every single aspect that, that you can. And the other 50% often say to us, um, I know we should be doing this, but I'm a bit nervous because I'm not great with computers or I'm not great with software or technology. And I think that's a really real um, concern for people. Uh, so I think, but, I, but we definitely don't meet people or I can't think of any examples where we met people that have gone, wow, what? I didn't know this existed. We should definitely be doing this. Uh, that's a great idea. It, it's rare that you're introducing someone to the idea. It's, it's usually more common that they know about it, but there's blockers in place that are stopping them systemizing their portfolio and their tasks yeah yeah that, that makes sense and so we kind of mentioned it earlier this experience these kind of inefficiencies and what you were seeing in the market or lacking in the market led you to create your own um prop tech company let's call it how did that come about why did it come about and what is it sure so we when we were building our portfolio we had obviously a spreadsheet to stack deals, um, a spreadsheet to, you know, the figures, I mean, a spreadsheet to track all the offers we'd made. And then we had calendar invite uh, or calendar. We were saving calendar uh, activities for reminding us to do all of our follow-ups. Uh, and then on top of that, 
we were then using Trello to try and track all of our activities and tasks, which is a sort of task tracking software. And then finally, there's so many great solutions out there genuinely at the moment that are at like prop tech companies that allow you to store your existing properties and, and track your tenancies. So we were then doing all of that. And then the leads that came through where it was a property that we were buying, once we'd purchased it and tenanted it, we would then load it into the property software to be able to track the tenancy. And we just felt there's so many steps there and so much paperwork all over the place that we needed everything organized in one place. And we need something that does everything right from thinking this could be a good deal all the way through to managing your existing portfolio. And especially given that we use letting agents to manage our portfolio, people forget, of course, that you still need to track your utilities in those properties and manage your, uh, if it's service accommodation, manage your council tax and, and still know when your fixed rate period due to end. So we thought, do you know what? Let's just build it. Um, and my background uh, was a uh, program manager at Barclays for the Barclays mobile banking app. So I thought, so I, I understood how to build the software, but obviously I'd never started a software company. Uh, so I called the best developer I'd, I've ever worked with, um, Sanjay. Um, and I called him up and said, this is the idea. Um, what do you think? And he liked it uh, after, you know, a few lengthy coffee meetings. And we decided, yeah, do you know what, let's build the software that we would want to use. And uh, obviously, one year later, we've now got we've now got property store, and it will it will do everything I said and lots, lots more. Wow. And did you write the code yourself like you built the app personally no um we, we we divided it in three ways so there's me sanjay and nicola um the that lead property store and how it works is i would write the requirements what what's needed so and it would be very much a a big word document of i needed to do x y and z for this feature let's say we've got a viewing manager feature where the problem i put a problem statement at the top problem statement for viewing manager is very much um you know when you've especially if you live in london or something and you're trying to buy properties up north oftentimes what what you'll do is book a full day of viewings where you're viewing properties back to back organizing that day is a logistical nightmare because when you're on the phone to um, agents, they're like, oh, yeah, you can view this property between 10 and 1. And another one might say, but this one between 12 and 2. And you've got Google Maps up, you're trying to work out your distances between all the properties, how long you'll be viewing them for. So the use case that I I created was, well, why isn't there just one screen inside Property Store that will allow you to do all of that in, easily in front of you? Um, so I do that, then I hand it over to Nicola, who then makes it look pretty and designs it. Her background's branding. Um, so she brands it all up and makes it all look good. And then we send those screens off to Sanjay and now our team of developers. Um, and they do all of the magic, which is the coding, um, and all the complexities. And then we get a nice, uh, pretty product back that we can, that we can test out. Mm, and how long did it take you to go from sort of, here's an idea to having your like MVP ready? So we came up with the idea on the 21st of June last year. Uh, we went really aggressive with it and we had an MVP live to a uh, training company on the 3rd of November last year. And then we've just gone live to the public on the 7th of July. So just a couple of weeks ago, or 7th of June, sorry, six weeks ago. Mm, wow. Okay. And what are your aims with it? Do you want everyone in property to be using it? Like what's the kind of business aims for that? Yeah. So, so the target market really are your property investors that are currently building their portfolio. 
Um, at the moment, we're working with some letting agents to build out all of the lettings management functionality. And then we've got some really, really exciting features coming up um, that will allow you to hopefully it'll be a one stop portal. Right. You never have to leave property store. Um, so an example of something that's coming up will be uh, will be automatic deal packs. What I mean by that is in a property, you'll be able to click on it on a button that will say generate report and it will make you it will scrape the data from across the Internet and make you a report that gives you all of your comparable, your rental comparables, your sale comparables, EPC, uh, crime rates, flood risk, you name it, pulls it all into one report, which can be useful both for you to appraise a property, but also to share with your investors um, or JV partners or wh whoever it is you want. And it just it saves like hours of creating the report. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll also be integrating with Zero or QuickBooks later in the year um, for finances and rent tracking. So huge, huge updates coming that allow everyone to manage their property portfolio from within Property Store with as few clicks as possible. And that's the key. I like it. I like it. And how has the growth been so far? I understand you're working with the Prosperity Network and you've given access to all the users and that. Yeah, that's right. So on the 3rd of November last year, that's when we went live with the Prosperity Network. And uh, everyone that's a member with them gets gets access included within their membership to uh, to our silver account, a property store. Um, and that was invaluable for us because what it's allowed us to do is um, we thought we were designing a software people needed. And then we thought some features would be huge and some wouldn't be used as much and when you actually put it in front of 500 investors you quickly learn which features are the ones that get used the most and aren't and we also got like hundreds and hundreds of feature requests which has helped us build our future pipeline so that's been incredible and then since going live to the public as well um we've grown we've grown quite quickly so uh, we now have well over 250 million uh, pounds worth of deals stored within property store um, and I don't know the exact figure, but it's thousands of properties um, tracked in property store now. So it's really grown quite quickly. But I guess we just want to keep making it better. That's our mission, right? We want to keep making it better because ultimately we didn't start a tech company because we thought, let's start a tech company. We want to be CEOs. Um, as I said before, Nicola isn't overly impressed because we've left our full-time jobs to get a full-time job. Um, but we started it because it helped us and it's definitely helping hundreds and hundreds of other investors in the UK right now. So it's really important for us to get the word out to try and get as many people helped as possible. I like that. And that's, you know, it, I, I think it's a great way to release it. And I suppose tech companies do this, you know, with a kind of limited small closed group who will give you feedback and will essentially make your product better because, yeah, they're going to be pretty blunt, you know, hopefully when you ask them for feedback and that is how I suppose your products are shaped. And I think that's just what tech companies do. But again, on the property side, it doesn't, I mean, I suppose it's a different kind of thing, but it doesn't necessarily always translate um, that same kind of thinking. And with this software now, how much of your time does it take up? Are you sort of, uh, are you focusing primarily on this or is it all just kind of balanced equally? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that I'm close to full time now on the software, um, which I guess is a positive thing because it's it's a passion project and it's something we love. Um, of course, uh, that does then take away from the fact that we were just going to travel. But when we when we look at what what we were doing, I, f I feel that I just don't feel that I cannot. I just don't feel I cannot work. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever stop because I feel like it gives me purpose in life. 
Um, so I really enjoy it. And if you think about, um, so many people will relate to this when you're growing your own portfolio, your property portfolio, and you've got a full-time job, it feels like you're working the, the like the hours of two people because you're doing your full-time job. Then at the evenings, you're doing all your management of the property portfolio. And then at the weekend, you're doing all your viewings. So when we took away the full-time job and then we weren't growing the portfolio anymore, um, particularly aggressively, we had this like massive void of time that I don't know how I would fill if we didn't have property store. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. And I think... It sometimes, well, not sometimes, all the time, property can be quite slow and there's periods of like real waiting, like conveyancing or selling a house or refinancing it that you're, you're not really that active. Um, and I kind of found that actually, yeah, when you're growing your portfolio super quick, like you did, it, you know, there isn't necessarily that downtime, but afterwards when it's sort of chilling and it's, you know, it's just bringing in income and you're adding the, you know, a couple of more here and there. There's definitely, I think, enough time for, you know, if someone wanted to, to have a passion project, whether that's a side business or kind of business like you're doing here or anything, because, yeah, I just find there's so much time in between things. So I think it can be balanced easier than maybe other businesses or jobs where, you know, you're kind of always on or you're waiting for customers or you're kind of doing something. So, like, you know, that makes sense. And how have you found... Um, using social media, whether it's for, you know, your tech business or whether it's for property, has it been a positive thing for you? Hey, yeah. I, I mean, we started uh, our Badger and Nash, Badger and Nash is the name of our property company. Um, we, we started our Badger and Nash Instagram account late because we're very, we're not very networky people, I guess. And we, and we decided we weren't going to have a, a social media presence. Uh, we didn't want to share anything. We just wanted to just work away in, 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 on, on quietly, I guess. We quickly realized, though, that in property, network is everything. Like, it, you, 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 everyone gets successful together, right? We, if you work alone, it, it really is hard to, um, to progress quickly. So we did start a Instagram account, and it went really, really well. Uh, we got loads of engagement and... Um, and or loads of engagement for us, I guess. We're not Kim Kardashian, but it, you know, it, it went well and we got connect loads of connections from it. And now we've got people that we would consider dear friends from, from, you know, the connections we made on online. Um, we don't post to Badger and Nash anymore because of course, if we're not focusing on the portfolio, it's not something that's a priority to us. Uh, but again, for property store, I'd say most of our leads now come from Instagram in terms of getting people across to um, to seeing the software and booking one-to-ones with us. So that's uh, that's really good. Ah, and, you know, again, this is another example for my listeners of how social media, you know, can generate income. Yeah, it might not be directly for your property business or, you know, buying, but you are generating income from it. And like that's that. And so a lot of people say, oh, I don't want to spend time on social media. And, well, when it generates you income, when it, you know, allows you to raise money for deals, potentially find JVs. You know, I think it makes sense. And there's something to be said um, about social media. Uh, and Jake, you have, um, as this brings us to the close of the podcast, you have a little special offer for listeners of my podcast. Could you tell them about that? Yeah, sure. So if you, um, m- most people that sign up to Property Store, uh, 
would like to see the system working and get a bit of a tour through it first. So most people book a one-to-one with us um, for us to be able to demo it and help you work directly with your with your property portfolio. Um, if that's the case, all you need to do is um, is book a one-to-one through our website, which is property-store.co.uk, and make sure that you put Tage 10 in the where did you hear about us uh, or you can simply sign up and use the code tej10 that's t-e-j the number and then the digits one zero if you use that as your discount code you will get a two-week free trial uh, for software no obligations cancel at any time plus the first six months of your subscription will be at 10 percent discount um, or if you pick an annual subscription they're already discounted by 20 percent. you'll get a further 10 percent on those as well I love it. See, people, you can't say I don't give you anything. I look at that. Um, everyone loves a freebie. Everyone <laughs> loves a, a little bonus there. So, um, Jake, I'm going to put your contact details and everything you just said in the show notes. So if people forget or they come back to this podcast, they can click on it and go have a play with it. And people, look, go get the trial, have a play with it, see what you think. Uh, give Jake some feedback. Feedback always, always helps. Um, you know, we should all be using more tech in our business and being more efficient with everything and you know 2022 computers are so freaking powerful we're doing all sorts of crazy shit with them why aren't we you know building better property businesses with them so jake thank you so much for coming on the ted talks podcast amazing thanks for having me if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content